This is To The Point with Marcus Amick, where we cut through all the noise to discuss the things that matter most driving the world of automotive sales. Let's get to it. There is arguably no topic bigger in the world of cars right now than electric vehicles. And this week's guest on To The Point has been a part of the conversation for over a decade. Lacey, more widely known as Misco Electric, has been involved in just about every facet of the EV world. She has been a product spokesperson for electric vehicles, a retail sales trainer at dealerships, and a personal EV owner. She was also a participant on the NBC Sports Show Charge Across America, a program devoted to demystifying electric vehicles. Thanks for joining us, Lacey, a.k.a. Misco Electric. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, Lacey, as we like to say here at To The Point, let's get right into it. So you have been involved in educating people about EVs for quite some time. What do you think is the biggest misconception about EVs? Yeah, I think first and foremost, when people communicate with me about EVs, they're most concerned about the range. They want to know how much range it has and how is it going to affect their daily life because most people don't realize it, but the majority of them, their daily commute is under like 40 to 50 miles. So when they look at an EV that has maybe under 200 miles of range, they get a little nervous because it seems everyone wants to just have that magic number of 500 miles, but you really don't need it. So that's one big misconception that I would say is very common is that they don't realize how many miles they drive in a day. And so an EV really can actually fit into their lifestyle, even if it doesn't have, say, 300 or 400 or 500 miles of rain like, range like they want. Well, well, let's dig into that that, that specific question. What, why do, where do you think, um, and who do you think? Well, let's start here. Who do you think is responsible for helping to sort of educate consumers about that that particular issue, about the range and, and where it where it's realistically fits within the scope of the technology being practical? Sure, it's kind of an interesting mix because uh, at at points you think that the uh, people who are making the product should be responsible. And I do believe that there's some of that. Um, absolutely, that there needs to be education from the manufacturers because let's face it, each EV is different from one another too. So it's not just going to be uh, necessarily one size fits all when it comes to each product. But the general information that you know, encompasses EVs, I think needs to come from a series of different organizations. And maybe that be, you know, some facilitation by uh, organizations that, uh, like Rock Ed specifically, that can help work with dealers and not come directly from the manufacturer to be able to give people what they need um, or organizations specifically uh, local that might help statewide or um, even even local more local uh, to a, a city uh, aspect but I think it's a joint effort I don't think that the manufacturers can do it alone so I think it's important that we all work together from all facets of the automotive industry in order to get people up to speed with this emerging technology. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that all that we collectively all need to work together to sort of educate consumers because I found, and, and, and I'd be interesting, be interesting to hear your perspective on it, but I found that even within the industry, there is some skepticism about electric vehicles. Absolutely. 
Yep, there is. So how do we how do we break that that barrier? Well, I think in some cases it really depends on who the employer is and the employer needs to invest in educating those people. Like for example, if you do work for an automaker, I think it's up to them to educate their staff on the new products that they have coming out. And since it's such a radically new way uh, and different lifestyle for people adopting EVs, I think it's important to explore all the advantages and possible disadvantages like we had talked about earlier of people's myths about EVs. How do we communicate what, you know, the reality of electric vehicle ownership looks like? And so I think ultimately the employer is responsible for that. You know, I do have a lot of people in my industry who, you know, they say a lot of the typical myths that you hear. And I think it's the responsibility of those people who are employing them to get them up to speed on all of that information, because the more misinformation, the slower the adoption is going to be. And I don't think people realize how much of a lifestyle change for the better this could be for, uh, you know, the whole country and actually the whole world. I want to talk about that lifestyle a little bit, but but first, I, I'm interested in hearing sort of when you talk about the idea of, of myths as it relates to electric vehicles. Well, you have been involved in educating um, salespeople on the dealership level, correct? Absolutely. Yep. So, what are some of the myths that you hear from from them specific, from dealerships specifically, or the salespeople at the dealerships? Uh, one specifically from the dealership is that there isn't charging infrastructure. And even if it is uh, what most people think of immediately of electric vehicles is the brand Tesla, they have an infrastructure that spans across the country um, and actually all over the world when you go to other parts of the world. And, you know, that applies also to the infrastructure in the United States that works with the other EVs that can't charge on that network. You'd be surprised if you pull up some of the apps that are common for EV users like PlugShare or Chargeway and see how many charging stations there are around that are aggregated on one of those uh, apps. And the other thing that is a misconception is that, you know, they don't see them. So, and they're not in their town. But the reality of the fact is most people with EVs will charge them at home. And in this case, you do not need DC fast charging stations immediately in your vicinity. You want them in places where, you know, you are tapping into the furthest part of your range in order to charge on a road trip. And I can speak from experience. Not only have I done a ton of road trips in uh, EVs when it comes to Tesla vehicles, but I've also done it in other EVs by other manufacturers. So it is possible and it is enjoyable. It just takes a little bit different of a mindset and more exploration on these, uh, you know, vehicles, whether they be on their navigation system or on these apps that help support uh, finding this charging uh, infrastructure. Now, speaking of road trips, you have been involved in a really big road trip with EVs, the NBC Sports Charge Across America rally. Um, That's right. Can you 
talk a little bit about that experience and, and what your takeaway has been from that experience. Yeah, that was actually one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Although it was stressful, not for reasons that you might typically think because of range anxiety, it wasn't that at all. It actually just was because it was such an intense competition and we really had to strategize to the maximum amount in order to stay competitive in the rally. Uh, fortunately, uh, we executed that rally in a Ford Mustang Mach-E against a couple Porsche Taycans, a Volkswagen ID4, a Polestar 2, and an Audi e-tron, and we came out on top. So we, <laughs> we were surprised that with uh, the charging rate that our Mach-E is capable of and going against a vehicle, the Taycans in particular, that are significantly more expensive and have higher charging rates, that we were able to come out with the win. And uh, really what that hopefully showed for a lot of people is that, you know, the charging curve is an important thing to consider uh, because, when you're charging an EV on fast charging infrastructure, you get your fastest rate at a lower state of charge. So from like 0% up until about 50%, uh, somewhere in between there, depending on the vehicle, you're gonna get the most uh, uh, fastest amount of energy coming into your vehicle. And uh, you know that can be significant for some people who are in a hurry when they're going on road trips so that they know exactly what to look for when they're buying an EV. You mentioned you mentioned price points. I, I think for some people that that probably is an issue as well. Um, yeah. Wh where are we and where do you think we're headed when it comes to making that price point more feasible for consumers? Well, what we're seeing right now in the industry is that the higher profit margin uh, models in the luxury space are really getting priority for electrification because this is where they can make the most money back on the product and be able to reinvest it to eventually make products that are down in the lower end range of price for more people to get into. And we're starting to see that now with um, products like the Volkswagen ID4. Um, and, you know, not only that, but with the incentives to get uh, the tax incentives here in the United States as they sit, there are some ways to bring those price points down even further to a more affordable rate. Um, not every single manufacturer qualifies for that because if they've already hit 200,000 units of EVs, then they're not qualified as of right now. But hopefully with that uh, legislation in the coming year, uh, they can make some modifications in order to get more people in. But overall, EVs, the cost of ownership for EVs is significantly uh, more affordable. So even though that the price point of the vehicle up front might be a little bit more expensive, overall, when it comes to refueling and maintenance costs, it is a lot less. So it might be worth paying a little bit more upfront on MSRP in order to get into an EV to save money over time. And lastly, though, the last thing for price points in consideration for EVs is that you know, the battery pricing is coming down. So uh, as we've seen, we just hit back in 2020 about $130 uh, per kilowatt hour as the price point for this 
battery chemistry. And we're with more volume, we're seeing that price drop drastically. So in the coming years, as that battery price comes down per kilowatt hour, we're going to have parity with gas vehicles on MSRP because of that. So I think that, you know, within the next five to 10 years with the volume that we'll see of these batteries, uh, the prices will start to become drastically more competitive. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play this consumer that's still fighting electrification. Right. Um, And I'm going to say, okay, I, I, I get what you're saying about price point. I'm still a little concerned about range, maybe not as much concerned about range after hearing you talk about it. Um, I still have some concerns about the charging dynamics. I think I'm going to wait this thing out a little bit longer. You would say what to that? I would say that, I mean, you can do it now. So I wouldn't be nervous necessarily of the fact that, you know, you think that the charging infrastructure might not be there, that the range might not be there. The reality of the fact is that you can get into a really um, compelling EV at this point here and now. And I would highly encourage people to actually get in the driver's seat and take one for a test drive. We're starting to see hopefully more inventory become available at the dealerships where Um, people can actually experience these cars. And once you get behind the wheel and actually drive it, I think your mind will really be changed. Wow. Well, I really want to thank you for the time, Lacey, uh, giving us some insight on EVs and electrification. Uh, Thanks again. And thanks for joining us on To The Point. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, back to the noise. 